welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. This particular podcast is more focused for the preachers. And this is just some observations. Anyone else listening to the podcast will get a benefit out of it because I'm going to tell you a little few things about things that I've noticed about professional ministers that I find pretty interesting. Now, the first thing I need to say is I've been a licensed minister for 39 years. You can do the uh, math on that if you want, but that's a long time. The Also, the fact is, uh, over a period of about 20 plus years, I worked in various churches, mainly in the Baptist arena. Okay, so I'm not going to claim a lot of liturgical church knowledge, uh, as far as liturgical knowledge, okay? Because the system's different. But, for evangelical Protestants, I'm going to go ahead and make a few observations, at least. It kind of works this way. The first thing, the first caveat I'm going to have to say is this. If you're thinking about being a preacher, or you are a preacher, and you think there's anything I can say that will discourage you from being one, you don't need to be a preacher. I mean, that's the honest truth. Partially because it is a singular drive, a singular calling within the heart of an individual. Now, I'm not going to say that it's a calling for full-time, even though you hear that term sometimes thrown around. Full-time Christian service, full-time Christian service. Well, I got a question. When did it get to be halftime? When did, you know, I mean, was there a contract somewhere? Did I miss it? God hand, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, I surrendered to uh, to uh, be a, pre- a preacher. And the church came to me and said, okay, here's your contract. This is only halftime. Okay, so, so you know, when you clock in and out, uh, you do this. No. And by the way... Um, I don't want to get into the weeds concerning professional ministry. However, I'm going to say this. I've always found bivocational as advantageous. Harder? Yes. But, uh, a lot freer. Does it pay as well? No. Is it going to pay all your bills? No, probably not. Probably not at all. But, 
just the freedom to be able to let God work through you and say what you need to say and do what you need to do is different. Alright? Now, I'm not going to get into calling, okay? Um, although, I've seen categories and different variations, and uh, I've already got a podcast on that, so I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to say that I've heard calling described this way. There are people who are ministers who are called by the family. They're family. There are ministers that are called by the church. Their church. And there are those who are called by God. Now, you may be thinking, well, that sounds kind of harsh. What kind of, kind of, how about a combination? Here's the thing. God makes it very apparent in the Word, in the Bible, that um, when He pulls people, He doesn't really ask anybody's family. Maybe a very good, very godly family. But let me just tell you this. Huh. God doesn't ask the family if, they're, if he's pulling somebody and saying, I want that person to be a preacher of mine or a minister of mine. All right. Now the strange, you know, and, and the other thing is, is there, there are a lot of people who do really good work in churches and the church, for some reason, feels like that person needs to be full-time. Now, I would say this. If a church notices someone has a particularly wonderful gift by God, okay, then it's entirely possible they're seeing something that that person doesn't see and that person needs to pray about it. And then if they get confirmation within themselves then they can go ahead and, you know, yeah, say, you know something, church, I agree with you. All right? So I'm not negating that. But if you're talking about, hey, this service was awesome, great, I got this weird feeling in the seat of my pants, I think I want to be full-time Christian service. No, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think so. And you say, well, you're, that's, that's pretty arrogant of you. No, no, really. From this perspective... Um, being a professional minister, all right, should be a super heavy burden on the heart, mind, and spirit of the person who's going that direction. <clears throat> you say burden, you know. Well, Jesus said my burden's light. Well, yes, he did, but he wasn't talking to full-time ministers. Specifically at that point, he's talking to all Christians or all believers, right? And I guarantee you, Jesus' burden is light. But when you get into the church, their burden is a whole different ball game. There's stuff that there, there's stuff that churches ask pastors and ministers to do that is, and, and I'm not talking illegal junk. I'm just saying just regular stuff. And I'm going, my word, how in the world is this person ever supposed to study the Bible 
and teach anybody, which is what their job is. I mean, if you want to, you know, I'm sorry, I'm fixing to go on a tangent. Okay, I'm pulling, reining myself in, okay? But but I've got a real issue with people hiring pastors and trying to make uh, con- uh, construction contractors out of them and social workers out of them and all this other jazz, and they get to do everything on the planet except learn the Word of God and teach it, which is what they're supposed to be doing. So anyway, um, there's that. The other thing is a God-called minister. I have heard it described, not on my own, from other ministers, that it is a situation where you cannot do anything else. I mean, literally, your heart won't let you do it. Once the call, the hand, the the pull, however you want to look at it, goes on you, you literally cannot do anything else. Now, um, not sure I completely agree. Just simply because, even in the New Testament, most people were bivocational. Because again, you know, I would, I like bivocational. However, comma, uh, there's plenty of full-time ministers out there. And many, many of them do a wonderful job. Wonderful things for their church and the people and the Lord and everything. I mean, just it's very good. So God can use that. Um, let me also say this. Ministers have an issue... And they really, it's not, well, in fact, let me not use, let me back up and not use the word issue. Ministers have a situation where literally the church feels like since they're paying you, you're on call 24-7. And uh, I've seen situations where churches will rotate through the ministerial staff and a ministerial staff member or even the deacons actually will be on call for the church for emergencies and issues okay so that people can call in and and reach someone from the church for spiritual guidance but what you find a lot of times is people get one person in their brain or or they're just or they're, they're just well no I got to have the pastor I got to have the pastor like, no one else on the planet's got any kind of experience or spiritual contact with God. It's got to be the pastor. No, it's, it's got to be the pastor. It's got to be the pastor. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I get it. Okay? But here's the thing. I mean, when you treat someone like they're Moses, they start blooming acting like it and thinking they are. And they're not. And that's when you get into a situation where you get so much responsibility on one individual, you snap them like a cracker. They can't handle that. They're human. It amazes me. We want our ministers to have wonderful family lives, but we never want them to be home or be with their families. Wow, isn't that weird? Holy Toledo. Well, dang. 
how's uh, you know how are they supposed to have a a an exemplary family life if they never get to be home with their family and then when they take time to be with their family people get all hacked off well, I just don't understand why I can't get to, get, get the pastor on the phone. That's what I'm paying that boy for, is getting him on the phone. Or her on the phone. I just don't understand why I can't. Now, look. You know, I mean, you know they, you're, you're talking about a human that's got to eat, sleep, breathe. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, 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 we treat them, ministers, like they're Jesus specifically. I mean, and guess what? Even in the word, Jesus got tired. <laughs> when he was in the boat and the the Sea of Galilee was just throwing around like crazy and he was asleep in the boat, he was exhausted. That's why he was asleep in the boat. He wasn't playing like he was asleep. He was exhausted. So, you know, give the minister a little breathing room from that. It, but, but the issue is, how does a minister deal with a church that literally wants you on call 24-7? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you straight up, you've got to bring it up. You have got to bring that up. There's statistics. Now, I'm not going to quote them. I'm not going to look them up because I've heard them before. And if you would like to, then by, by all means, go on Gallup, go on Pew, go on Barna, and, and just type in uh, pastors and see what comes up. You're going to see at least one study having to do with the number of ministers that leave the ministry. First year, second year, in seminary. Just drop out. Now, um, why? A lot of times, just the expectation is this freaking unreal. You can't be human and do what people are asking you to do. They want you to be a social worker. They want you to, you know, they want you to fix stuff. Now, everyone wants you to be a marketing expert and uh, and a TV talk show host. You know, uh, which is crazy. So, I have noticed, and, and this is... Um, this is something I've noticed about professional ministers specifically. And I've done it myself. You develop what I like to affectionately call the force field. And what it is, is it's a face. It's an attitude. It's a presence. And uh, it's uh, basically a... Uh, a facade, an outside appearance so that you can appear to members of the congregation the people you're serving as being really up, really joyous 
or you know really professional and you can do it and it's fake it's a it basically it, they I've seen ministers who are awesome good at it because literally they can just walk in from a car fire you know where they just got their kids out of a car and uh, and then you, you walk up to them, hey, brother, so and so, I need to talk to you about something. Why? Why? Yes, of course. Go right ahead. And they just they put that force field up. Um, the fact is, very few ministers have a lot of people, personal, close people in the church that they talk with. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, um, ministers are not supposed to have problems. Not supposed to. Now you, you sound silly. Sound crazy. People will tell you, no, no, no. I understand my ministers got problems, but they never treat them like that. They never treat them like if they have a problem, everything's going to still be okay. So ministers, a lot of times, got to act like they ain't no problem. Ergo, the force field comes up. Why, yes, my hair is on fire and I'm standing in a vat of acid, but I will stand here as long as you need me. That kind of stuff. And it's painful, i got to tell you, because it's not real. It's utterly fake, and it's fake on purpose, so they can project the image that the church wants. So that their job will not be in jeopardy at any point. And that they can be dependable. And believe me, their house may be falling a blooming part. There might be civil war inside that house. You don't have no idea. But they're not gonna tell you they're not gonna tell anybody in the church. Um, a lot of ministers have very personal friends who are also ministers. At other churches. And those are the people they tell all the problems to. Nothing matter with that. Dude, you got to tell it to somebody or you'll just freaking explode and your head will pop. For real. So the thing is, um, a lot of ministers just don't, aren't allowed to act human. Aren't allowed to have problems. Case in point. I was in a church choir years ago. With a, with a guy who went all through seminary. He was a wonderful guy. And I, and I knew him for a long time in choir. He went through seminary. Came out of seminary. Got a job at a church. His mother got ill while he was at, at, at this church. And the church gave him utter grief over the fact that he had to help his mother. Because she was dying. They really gave him due over the fact that his, he had to be missing sometimes because of his mother. And they made him feel like a jerk because he was trying to take care of his mom. And it got so bad, literally... He quit the church and the ministry altogether. And he turned around and he took that religious education degree, went to school, went back to college and got a teaching degree, and started teaching high school math. 
and it had been years. He'd been teaching high school math for years when I ran into him. And I got that story from him. And that is not unusual, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. It's why I think really hard about even the thought process of professional ministry from this perspective. Now, Paul said, hey, workman is worthy of his hire. That's very true. But full-time? No, I don't know. <laughs> and, and here's the reason why I say that. Because Paul, and I believe it was in the book of Galatians, tells them, look, I could have asked you for money to help pay my way, and I would have been right to do it. But I didn't do that to you. I did my job over here so that you couldn't say that I was begging money from you. And you couldn't, you know, couldn't take credit for that. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Tent maker was actually a leather worker because the tents back then were made of leather. Now they're made of canvas. There and they were leather. And so forth. So he could he could do leather, probably canvas too, but still. He did that and he had another job. You know, Peter was a fisherman. James John, fisherman. I mean, there's a lot of bivocational stuff going on. Now, um, Jesus was a carpenter before. Now, when he during his ministry days, he was being supported entirely by other uh, people's charity, for real. But he, before that, was a carpenter. And he still knew everything he needed to know to be a carpenter. And he was in the ministry three years before he went to heaven and ascended that way. Now, the thing is, people will go back and forth about professional ministry. I'm not here to do that. Here's what I'm saying is this. If you're thinking about being a minister, then God bless you, more power to you. Please get educated, and please remember that a minister or a pastor, and by the way, um, every Bible-believing, well, in fact, every believer is a minister. It just depends on, are you a bishop, a pastor minister? Because if you're a pastor minister, then by cracky, you ought to know the Bible and you ought to be teaching it. Because that's the primary function. Um, I did music. Why I was... Uh, now, I was licensed. So, in my state, you can marry and bury people if you're licensed. And I did preaching. Lots of it. But here's the thing. It's still a situation where doing music, they didn't necessarily require you to be a pastor. Quote, unquote. Alright? 
And I'm not going to go off into those muddy waters, but here's the thing. If you're a church member, it's important that you keep an eye on your ministers. For several reasons. Number one, you want to make sure they're taken care of. You want to make sure that their families are taken care of and that they have time to be the people that you would like for them to be. And that is time. They need to be husbands, wives. They need to be moms and dads. They need to be that first, the family, and then the church family. Because that's their service with God. They shouldn't feel like if they decide to do something that they feel God wants them to do, that they're going to lose their head over it. I mean, now, different churches have different ideas of how decision-making go. But if you see a minister and you know they've got a gift, well, for crying out loud, let them use it. But if you're going to just tell them how to, make, how to do their gift, well, that's not always going to work very well. So anyway... Uh, again, uh, the, all the stuff I'm describing to you right now has m a lot more to do with a congregational model of church government. Uh, liturgical models are way different because the bishop says, boom, and that happens. But you know who ought to be in that process? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, ought to be in that entire process. So, if you're a minister, then look at your ministry. Focus on the Word. But if you're in a situation where you cannot... Now, if you have a family and you cannot be with them, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Well, I'm sacrificing myself for Jesus. Jesus never asked anyone to absolutely obliterate their family. In Jewish culture, the family is paramount. And it is very important. And it's important to God. It was the first institution he set up. He set the family up before he set anyone else up. Any other organization on this blooming planet. So, I'm going to say that. Now, with that in mind, I want to encourage you, always. If you're in the pew, I'm going to encourage you. Let your ministers teach. Encourage them to do it. And if they don't want to, that's a problem. If you're a minister, teach the people and be the family. Be the church. And God will bless you. Guarantee. So with that in mind, I want you to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always... Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless.
all of your life.